Welcome to Journey to Authenticity. My name is Sarah Hart. Join me in the quest to uncover our true self and make aligned choices with relationships, purpose, spirituality, and body-mind. Together with my guests, we share the stories, practices, and perspectives on how we can all live an authentic life. Remove the mask, reveal the real you, and spread your light. Hey everybody, today I wanted to talk about a question around our human experience that's come into my awareness from multiple directions recently. One of those synchronous moments again where everything lines up and shows me what I should be paying attention to, um, which as you know me, I like to pay attention to those things and I tend to do an episode around it. And that question is, are we addicted to suffering? Are we addicted to unhappiness? Are we addicted to dissatisfaction? Are we addicted to suffering? And it's been highlighted to me by a mentor I was speaking with, a monk that I went to hear uh, speak at a, a lecture recently, an article I was reading, a podcast I was listening to, and then showing up with a couple of people in my life and also highlighting where this has been true for me. Um, So I started to pay attention and have a a look um, into this a little bit more, think a little bit more around it. So first, I want to just look at some of the reasons why we maybe have taken on this program of suffering. And then we'll look at why we can continue to run that program. So in terms of the reasons we could become addicted to suffering, I think there are many reasons Um, So I'm just going to list a few and see if any relate to you or you can identify this with others. It's really complex, so I don't want to make this sound really simple. This is just some some things that I've been thinking about that may may be attributing to this kind of chronic suffering state that we can be in. So the first, I think, is culturally. I think that um, some of us can take on the idea that if we aren't suffering in our journey of life, then we aren't really doing anything that's really meaningful. Um, And there's something meaningful about the struggle and the grind of it all. And this ties in with the addiction of doing, the achieving and this getting validation, both from the outside world to go, yep, you know, they're really doing something important and internally with our own self-worth. So that was really the first thing that came to mind thinking about this. Um, And the second which I think is a little bit of a, it's a bit more complex, uh, which is if you've ever experienced trauma, especially in childhood, uh, I think there's, there's um, a knowing in the suffering. And, and that's just not a knowing on a conscious or it's, it's much deeper. It runs neurobiologically, which we'll just touch on a, a little bit, a little bit later. And although that you may live with a high level of fear as a result of this trauma, there's a paradox to it in that you may experience some level of safety in the knowing of the suffering. Uh, so that was another one. And then another way is, and I can identify with this one, is being negative or cynical or always being realistic about life. All of that can be used as a defense mechanism to mask fears and to avoid disappointment. But what I've come to realize is that and experience the more that I do it is if we never have the courage to take a risk, the trade off is that we block joy because you avoid vulnerability and the opportunity for freedom that lives beyond that fear. So that's probably a big one for me. That's one that I have to continuously work on and be mindful of to break that cycle. The next 
I think based on the past, some people deny themselves joy because of guilt um, or don't believe that they are deserving or worthy. And so suffering for them becomes a form of self-punishment. And then lastly, there's potential that maybe there's a fear of happiness or a fear of fulfillment or success. Um, And I think that that comes down to the idea being that there must be some form of loss of identity somehow, that there's an identity in the suffering, uh, which again, I'll just talk about a little bit later. So this suffering, it can manifest in all sorts of ways. It can be, you know, repetitive complaining about things or criticizing or judging. Uh, That's definitely been me as well. Um, Or you find yourself struggling in one area of your life to the next. And that just seems to repeat. You don't really have these periods of joy. Or if you do, they're very short lived before you go back into a next cycle of, of suffering. Or you tend to focus on the bad things instead of the good or focus on what isn't working instead of what is. Um, Or you find yourself in a cycle of just repetitive fear and worry, or it could be anger or low self-esteem, victimhood, or it could be pain, but it's a repetitive, habitual uh, cycle and pattern. And if that is the case, then you may be emotionally addicted to suffering. And looking into it and what people sort of say is that potentially addiction to emotional suffering can really be just as addictive as alcohol or drugs, but but it's just that it's created internally rather than externally from substances. Um, So a really simplistic, very simplistic example of this are uh, people who uh, love horror movies. I mean, that just supports the idea that we can be addicted to fear, really, um, and that we can get a sort of pleasurable experience in the pain enough that we want to repeat it. So whenever you're fearful... What's happening inside your body is you get this huge flood of chemicals that run through your body. You get stress hormones, you get uh, neurotransmitters that make all these nerves fire and, and circuits go off around the body and the brain. And when we repeat it enough, like what um, Dr. Joe Dispenza explains, nerves that fire together, wire together. So we can habitually create a cycle, which then when we're without it, our body begins to crave And like with anything that our mind and body craves, we seek out experiences or situations or people to recreate the emotions that then in turn create the response that we desire chemically within our body. So to get our fix. And that's like any addiction. And like in any addiction, the hormonal cycle that we get when we have our fix, it wears off. And then the body craves it again. And therefore, we can again look to repeat it. The cycle goes round and round and round. Um, Yeah, just a little disclaimer here. When when it comes to trauma, particularly with childhood trauma, there are extra complexities that come with the actual brain development or lack of that can be experienced, as well as actually later in adult life, PTSD, for example. The brain responds in a little bit of a different way. Uh, this this will still be happening, and this can apply to all human beings, what I've just mentioned above about the stress hormone pattern, but it's just a little bit more complex when it comes to trauma. Uh, so that's the, the only thing I want to say about that. But when it comes to this cycle, it's really, it's a self-sabotaging circuit. And whether you've experienced trauma or not, this still 
this circuitry is happening, it can be happening. Uh, and I can identify with this, you know, that I, you know, I'd become, I'd say, addicted to thinking negatively about myself. And therefore, I would just attract situations, experiences, people that would just confirm that underlying negative belief about myself. Um, and, you know, your whole reticular activating system is programmed to see anything to support your belief. And then it just keeps you in that negative state. Um, and then even when I had become aware, so there was a point that I had become aware of what I was doing and that I was speaking to myself negatively. Um, and even then I found it really difficult to break the pattern and stop. And so why, why is it that we find it so hard to give up? Well, like I just mentioned, there's a neurocircuitry that's going on. Um, and so those nerves that are firing together, wire together, it becomes a habitual uh, neural circuitry. But also, like I mentioned earlier, if something is repeated enough, it becomes part of our identity. It's what we know how to do well. It's something that's familiar. Um, it brings a level of certainty, which is one of the six human needs that are fundamental to our human experience. And especially when we feel that uh, uncertainty, which also is one of uh, our human needs, but if that uncertainty becomes too high, we create certainty through things that we can control to try to balance the scales out. And we do this even when the result is suffering. There's that knowing in it. Despite the fact that we tend to seek pleasure and avoid pain, sometimes unconsciously we perceive more pain than pleasure in stepping out of our current state. So, you know, it may be, you may notice this in that you, you maybe experience a little bit of joy in your life and then really soon afterwards you default back to the things that are not going so well. Um, and one of my previous guests, Dr. Larry Goodman said, and I thought this was absolutely brilliant as a question, is what if you could change everything without giving up anything? And that's super powerful. And to realize that's possible and asking that that powerful question that we discussed in that in that podcast, which is how can I see things differently and, and that opens up the mind to completely new possibility. So I want to share with you just some of the tips that have helped me to break this pattern of addiction and allowed me to experience more joy in my life and feel more courageous and less anxious and feel more certainty in a more positive identity. The first thing, like I mentioned, is to become aware. So that's just noticing your thoughts and your emotions. Become conscious of when you're thinking or feeling negatively and when that doesn't when it doesn't match your present moment reality, I think that's really important. So there's no real reason in this moment to feel fearful or angry or stressed or self-sabotaging. Not an avoidance of emotions. It's important to feel emotions that arise in the moment, allow your, yourself to feel them and allow them to move through you. And if you've truly done that, then they move up and out. This is when you find yourself repeating and dwelling in that negativity for no particular reason. So when you become aware interrupt the nervous system's craving to create that sympathetic stress response and instead just take a few deep breaths. So count in for three and out for six. So double the time out than in and this will instantly get those parasympathetics to come online, that relaxation part of your nervous system and change 
your current state and just send to you. Okay, and it sort of overrides that initial instinctive response to pull into the sympathetic. Um, And it'll help you to override the uncomfortable feeling that comes when your hungry ghost, if you don't know what the hungry ghost is, then you can listen back to that episode. Um, It's the part of you that starts grumbling that wants the fix. So taking that breath in and out and just take a few of them can help to center, override, become aware of that hungry ghost grumbling, wanting to get its fix, wanting to reach outside of itself back to its default mode of criticizing and judging or being negative and just become the observer of your thoughts and your body feeling that pull to pull you away or pull you back into that negativity. And by noticing the thought, you no longer are the thought, okay? You've become, you've stepped into the higher self version of you observing. So you just come back to the breath and you hold the higher intention in mind, which is to create a new you and to break this pattern. And that's the very beginning. So as soon as you become aware, the awareness means you've stepped into the observer, higher self part of you, the true real you. And you've centered, relaxed your nervous system. You begin to create a new firing pattern. And remember the nerves that fire together, wire together. So this really comes with repetition and persistence. Repeat, repeat, repeat and be persistent. Because this negativity will always want to win, like with any addiction. So the breath can begin that rewiring by interrupting and creating a new pattern and then reframe with other with other questions. You know, how is it in my life I experience joy? Whatever that answer is, do more of it. Or if you don't know, then try something new and just let it lead you down the path of discovery, being curious to figure out what sparks joy for you. There's so much power in the curiosity. Um, instantly, that can also start to pattern break. Or you can ask yourself, you know, where do I experience or witness love or compassion or kindness uh, in my life from people and and situations around me or around the world? Because there's so much of it to be had. Um, And I think this leads me to my next one, uh, which I think is a really important tip if you've never done this, to give yourself a news detox. Just stop watching the news for a bit because all it does is program your subconscious for negativity, for hate, for fear, for anger, for separation, for anxiety. All it does is perpetuate and feed that cycle. Um, Instead, seek out positive stories, transformational stories, acts of kindness from people all around the world, doing amazing things for other people because there's so many of them. It's just that the major media channels They don't get as much viewing of those ones um, and it doesn't feed into the bigger idea of fear and separation. So they are there. They are to be had. Go and seek them out. And then next is just to reduce your time spent on your phone or on social media. And there's kind of two reasons around that. This was a big one for me because I was noticing that in the morning, the first thing that I was doing was reaching for my phone and I just started to feel anxious. Um, so the first is the first part of that is that you break the blue light cycle so that your phone gives off a blue light, which stimulates the stress response in your body. And then the second is, is that it's it's a break from the comparison game that can come into play when you're looking on social media. 
um, of looking at everybody else's perfectly curated story of life, going, this is all so shiny and glittery and perfect and my life sucks and I suck. And it just feeds the negative self-belief or fear that you're not good enough. So a little bit of a phone or, or social media detox, I think, does everybody the world of good. And even if that's just check it at the beginning and the end of the day or as opposed to, I don't know, 25 times in the day or, but I wouldn't do it as soon as you wake up. So if you can resonate with any of this, then I just empower you to, you know, have the courage to break the cycle and overcome. It is possible. It is worth it because there's so much joy to be had, to laughs to be had, you know, love and kindness and compassion from all types of experiences and all types of people. Uh, and it just can be, you know, smiling at strangers as you're walking down the street and have, and sm someone smiling back at you, um, complimenting strangers and just try to put more love and kindness out there. Um, and you'll see that it's, you know, it's all around you. And if you can't personally resonate, then I hope at least it's got the cogs moving and maybe um, you'll have a little bit more compassion towards others uh, in your life or the people that you witness that may be stuck in this cycle. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to the episode and I will see you at the next perfect time. I hope that this episode has helped you gain new insights in your quest to discover more of who you are. If you want to stay connected, then head to journeytoauthenticity.co.uk and subscribe. I'd love to hear some of your takeaways. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.